anything happen at work? That was interesting. No, I work the overnight shift. Nothing happens then. I don't know. Someone could set off the lug alarm. Monk alarm. Whatever. See, I have so many opportunities to hit that thing. Yeah. And I just don't. Why, why not? Because I don't like confrontation. <laughs> I think you told me about this before. I don't know if I have, but it's definitely been like a few times where like someone slams the weights and people have looked at me to hit the lunk alarm. And I'm just kind of like, no. Oh, I thought that it was like a sensor. No. Oh, it's just like when people would lie to me and tell me I didn't find this out until I was at in Best Buy. You know, the Dyson, um, like the fans mm-hmm. that are like bladeless fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember I was in there and I was looking at the fans. All oh, these fans are so cool. And like one of the guys that worked at Best Buy was like, how do you think those fans work? I was like, well, don't they work because they take the air and they manipulate the molecules in between the fan and then shoots it out through this other way? He's like, no, there's, there's a circular fan at the bottom that shoots air up. That's how the fan works. What's <laughs> like? There's, there's the one world is broken. <laughs> there's one YouTuber I watched that used to work at Best Buy, mm-hmm. and he said that you would just run up to customers and just point at the fan, and be like sorcery, and just run away. <laughs> that was his explanation for it. Yeah, it's something that I never. I I just believe that. I don't know where that started, but it was somehow like something that everyone believed that like the molecules were were manipulated and then they were just shot out faster when it came from one side to the other. Mm-hmm. But then if, again, if you look at the base of the Dyson fan, it's it's literally there's a blade fan that's at the bottom. See, when you said that when you were younger, I was originally thinking you're going to say like the lie to like when they say if you pee in the pool, it's going to turn blue and everyone's oh, going to know yeah. that you did it. Yeah, I used to believe that too. Um, I just never peed in the pool, period. So I was just like, I'm not concerned. You like, wait, no, like till this day, like you don't pee in the pool? I don't even go in pools anymore. How about the ocean? Do you pee in the ocean? I did once. Are you around water at, at all? No. Okay. Except for like showers or drinking <laughs> or rain. <laughs> Other than that, no. Like we have a... It's water's broad question. We have a pool at my apartment and... Mm-hmm. I don't want to go in it. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Bear Point Podcast. <laughs> this is your host, Daniel Fairley II, and our producer, Bertram Zeke. Hello. You were ready to dive into that. <laughs> that I, time. I was ready. Normally, you're just ready. like, I need a little lead up. And this time, you're just like, okay, I'm I, done. I, I got to do it. Um, just got my lunch break, you know, so I got to, got to, we got to crank it. Gotcha. Crank it up. Yeah. After this, I need to go home, walk my dog and sleep more. Yep. I'm on three hours right now. (laughs) Um, okay. So intro and check and social media, please follow us on the Fairpoint podcast, um, which is at instagram on instagram um as well as the fairpoint pod on twitter you also can email us at the fairpoint podcast at gmail.com and if you want to listen to us you can subscribe to us at all of our different platforms that we're hosted on which is well one the host site castos then you also got spotify apple google play stitcher and youtube and that's all six of them all six yep just like drake coming from the six you know oh gosh that's that's what we're doing i actually never liked drake really yeah 
I like, like I didn't have a problem with him. I just was never like, oh, Drake dropped new music. I got to go check it out. I was just kind of like, there he goes again. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I never knew him or saw him as a rapper. I mean, he he just makes hits. Mm-hmm. That's all that I see him as. I'm like, you you just make good music. You make hit music that people like. But I'm not like, yo, Drake's raps are amazing. Let me listen to him more. Mm-hmm. I always look at Drake. And I'm like, that's the product of Kanye and Lil Wayne. Because <laughs> it's true. His whole style is based off of Kanye. And mm-hmm. he got put on by Lil Wayne. And that's how he got this big. There it is. Do you think Young Money is still a thing? Oh, no. Oh, wait. Actually, apparently it still is a thing. But it's just no one that was a part of it is still there anymore. Right. Because like, the last three were Lil Wayne, Nicki Minaj, and Drake, right? Mm-hmm. And then are they still a part of? No. Okay. But apparently there's still Young Money. It's just completely different people that I don't mm-hmm. know who they are. Because mm-hmm. I just saw something about it the other day where it was like, Birdman says that Young Money isn't finished or something like that. I was like, okay. Let it go. <laughs> um, but speaking of music in a really horrible way, um, this Michael Jackson documentary. Hmm. <laughs> Didn't see it. I was at work. <laughs> but you got to say hmm. about that. Hmm. Um, well, basically, it just kind of goes through and documents the. They mostly focus on the two two guys, Wade Robson and James Safejuck, and just talks about like their experiences with Michael. Um, hmm. Anyway, I'll stop it. Uh, so they talk about their experiences with Michael and what what it was like getting to know him, what it was like being around him um, and kind of what they've experienced with their families. Cause all of them, like they had like these really big families that were also involved with Michael. It wasn't just like just the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wade was basically a child dancing superstar from Australia um, who once he saw like Michael Jackson's thriller video, just started like imitating his moves and stuff. And then eventually got on to, you know, those like child dancing shows or the child talent shows. Hmm. Um, he became really, really good at dancing um, to the point of where Michael was like in the same town that he was um, and Wade won like some competition to go s- get on stage with Michael and like dance on stage with him. And he was like the best kid dancer that was there. Um, so he'd been doing that for a while. And actually eventually like after all the stuff with Michael Jackson, um, in like his, I know, teens and twenties, he became a really, really good choreographer and actually choreographed like NSYNC's No Strings Attached tour and like Britney Spears. So like people that had like really big, like during like the time that they were like really hot, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like those are like their two best albums and he choreographed their tour was like the set designer and all that stuff. Um, so he became like really famous and really well known. Um, did he also work with the Backstreet Boys? He did not. Uh, uh, which I respect him even more for that. Um, Whoa. We're not getting into this conversation right now. We're not doing that because NSYNC is clearly the better better boy band. It, it doesn't matter if they're better or not, but the fact that you're saying it's great that he didn't work with the Backstreet Boys. Like, yeah. You don't go like, you are, and then okay. finish with, my fire. You don't? No, no. I'd, Tell I'd, me why. <laughs> get out of my face. <laughs> I'm not even in your face. I'm all the way over here. <laughs> Man, this ain't nothing but a heartache. Okay. Anyways. Um, Daniel, what you said was nothing but a mistake. I would just say bye, bye, bye and move on to what Ooh, I had to say next. That's some dirty pop right there. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, so, yeah, so he he was with them both at the heights of their careers because mm-hmm. um, No Strings Attached was definitely No Strings Attached was definitely NSYNC's like best album. Um, and then Britney Spears, I think, for her, my opinion, when she was like Hit Me Baby One More Time, like that. I don't remember what album it was. That was one of her best as well. Mm-hmm. Um, James uh, Safechuck was a person who actually met Michael during like a Pepsi commercial. He was a child actor. It, it wasn't the Activator one, was it? No. No, no, it was a different one. It was like his first Pepsi commercial. Okay. Um, it was the one where like he was a child actor and he was going through Michael's like dressing room and like trying on like clothes or whatever. And then Michael Jackson walks in and is like, hey, it's me. And he's supposed to be like, oh my God, it's Michael Jackson. I'm so excited. But he apparently didn't even know Michael Jackson before that commercial. He just kind of like was acting and like had heard of Michael, but didn't really... Wait, wait, wait. How? Mm-hmm. He well, was like, Michael had to have been an adult by that point. How did he not know who Michael Jackson was? I know. Exactly. He was just kind of like, he like heard some of his music, but wasn't like super into it. Like Wade was like, I love this guy. I love his music. I want to dance like him. I want to be him. And then James is just kind of like, he just like happened to meet him because he was acting. Yeah. But even like now, like if you're not brought up on Michael Jackson's music, you know who Michael Jackson is and you know some of his songs. Yeah. No, I don't know what he found himself in some type of hole. <laughs> he has some type of weird shelter life. Right. Um, so, so that's when we first met Michael. Um, and that's kind of like how their relationship first started. Then there were two cases. Uh, the first case was in 1993. Uh, cases of child molestation in 1993 was the first one. Um, and that was settled out of court with like the person getting between five and twenty five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Like the kid that accused or I guess his family that accused Michael Jackson um, of child molestation. And then there was so I didn't remember that case, but I do remember the 2004 case where he was acquitted. He had like 10 counts of child molestation against him. Um, and then people like Macaulay Culkin and actually Wade Robson both went to his defense and said that he never touched him. Um, and so wait, where did all 10 counts come from? Did they all come from accusations of one person, the counts, or did it come from multiple? I think his name was Jordy or something. Jordan. Um, I'll, I'll find it, but he was the person, Jordan Chandler. Um, I think he goes by Jordy. He was the kid that like came that like started the allegations and then they and then other like, people jumped on the bandwagon of it. Well, they like they started interviewing all the kids that were hanging out with Michael Jackson mm-hmm. um, because as they were showing Michael Jackson, I mean, like he was hanging out with children like all the time. Um, I didn't realize like how much he hung out with children, but it was like almost everywhere that he was seen. He like had a child with him mm-hmm. um, and he was like giving them like all sorts of stuff. I think he gave Wade Robson or James like his like thriller jacket and oh yeah I think he gave James the thriller jacket and he gave like Wade the like hat from Smooth Criminal these like the actual items Mm. of Michael Jackson he would like let them like go through his closet and like pick out stuff that they wanted and so it was he just always was around kids um which is not a good look for the case no it's not not at all so then they were interviewing a lot of kids right and they had like the um the maid who was in his house, like what she said that she's seen him naked with kids a couple of times. Um, it was a lot. I mean, I'm giving you like the very, very high level. Like mm-hmm. if you watch the documentary, it's like really intense. Um, how often, how often he was with kids and how often um, people, I guess were the biggest question people may have is like, where were the parents or like, why weren't the parents like saying this is weird? Mm-hmm. Um, because they would even, they even interviewed like Wade's mom and they were like, didn't you think it was weird that a 
30 something year old man was like hanging out with your 13 year old son and she was like no because it was Michael and he was so nice um, and so like soft spoken and so it just became like really weird and they kind of showed the ways in which Michael like developed this really intense relationship with the kids mm-hmm. um, and was like grooming them and manipulating them to be just like to to not trust other adults, especially not women, to try to make um, them think that like what they were doing was normal, try to th- make th- what they were doing like sexually, uh, that this was the way you show love to each other. Um, he would say things like sleeping in a child's bed. I think he said this during the interview. Sleeping in a child's bed was, or sorry, having a child or sharing a bed with someone. He said that sharing a bed with someone was one of the most intimate ways or one of the most loving things that you can do with someone. And so just this idea of like, this is how you show love. This is how you show you care about someone. If you really love me, you will X. Right. Mm. Um, and so it was just like, it's a four hour documentary It's broken up into two parts, maybe four and a half hours. Um, but just like going through and talking about like, they just like grew like years and years and years of like grooming. Um, and there were times when like, Michael Jackson asked Wade Robson's mom, um, like, oh, can Wade just, like, stay with me for a year and, like, go on tour with me and, like, we'll hang out. He'll be at Neverland. It'll be so great. Um, And I think that one of the things you kept seeing was that, like, the kids, everyone was just, like, infatuated with Michael Jackson. I don't think that we have maybe Beyonce, like, a superstar that's, like, a mega superstar someone like that's at mike was at michael jackson's level we don't like, have that now i don't th- i can't think of a person um that like everyone knows and that everyone is like fascinated with everyone like loves their music you know what i mean even like beyonce there's some people that are like oh like i like these songs or i like this or like that mm-hmm. like, like he- there's people that the beehive attacks right right exactly but it was like like they're there's like the superstar power of Michael Jackson was something that seemed like untouchable mm-hmm. um, and something that I just don't know that we've seen. And I don't know why it may be because we are so connected and separated because of the internet. You know what I mean? This is like before mm-hmm. the internet and this was before um, all these other like really fast ways to connect with people really fast ways to, I don't know see someone across the world or talk to them or whatever. And so I think that somehow, some way, like when you have this like superstar power, um, and that may also be because like we, with the internet, with Instagram, with Instagram live and whatever, like I think about like Cardi B, the way that she is able to like do like an Instagram live. I remember I was like watching, well, I think it was actually when we were here or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I got a notification saying Cardi B was on Instagram live. I clicked on it and it was like me and like a hundred thousand other people just watching her like talk for a little bit and like just talking to her friends or whatever. And at the end she's like, okay, I'll talk to you guys later. Like kind of like saying like goodbye. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was like to you personally, like, Oh yeah. Like see you later, Cardi, you know? Yeah. Um, and so without that being in place, I think that we again beget, we had this infatuation. We had this belief that this person was like, I don't know, godlike, or that they were like above all, um, mm-hmm. someone that was untouchable, someone that was, you couldn't even fathom getting close to, you couldn't fathom being friends with, you couldn't fathom your family going on vacations with them or them calling your personal house phone, you know? Yeah. Um, 
but like, so I think that that amount of separation, that amount of star power was something that I guess was seen back then because the, because superstars were so out of reach. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this will happen with multiple kids, um, all the time. And so there were a lot of people, some like initial thoughts that like people may have, or at least that I had, um, where it was just kind of like Michael Jackson would say things or like, as you hear it coming back when he would say things like, Oh, like can, you know, Jimmy just sleep with me inside my bed. Um, or, Oh, well, you know, we're going to stay over here, but like Jimmy can stay with me for a week and then maybe we'll see you guys later or just things that were, from any other person, you'd be like, what do you mean? Like, my child's not going to stay with you. Like, you're 30 or you're, you know, however old. That just, that's not the way that children interact with adults mm-hmm. um, by sleeping in their bed or by sleeping in strangers' beds. Yeah. And so that was like, like, how would you like, how would, how would you justify letting your child stay with someone that you don't know? How would you justify um, allowing your child to go alone with adults that you don't know right Mm -hmm. um and then one thing that wade said was like people ask me that or people ask my mom that and she'll say that like it's weird because we felt like we did know him because he was in our living room every day right he was someone that we saw on tv all the time we felt like we knew this person um because of all the ways in which he was interacting in our daily lives Mm -hmm. and so then you go into like you know how could you wasn't there like panic um, when they left their like little boy with a grown man? How did they go for a trip for um, go on a trip for almost a week and just have no concerns about their child staying with this grown man? Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, like this happens all the time. If you're thinking about like what happens with priests or what happens with coaches, um, mm-hmm. especially people like Larry Nassar, right? Who was the team doctor. Uh, for, for the Olympic the, gymnastics team, yeah, exactly. For USA gymnastics, not just the mm-hmm. Olympics, but like the like the elite gymnastics teams, right? Mm-hmm. And so Michael Jackson would say things to Wade like, "You're going to be a producer one day. You're going to be a choreographer one day for the biggest bands in the world, and I'm going to help you get there." Mm-hmm. And so if you have a child who's like connected to the most, like the biggest superstar in the world. Right. If you have a child that's like has a personal relationship with that person um, and they're asking things of you or they're asking your child to stay with you, they're asking, yeah, your child to stay with them. Um, you have this idea that like, well, I want the best for my child and I want him or her to do the best they can. And if this is like the way in which they're going to get to know um the spotlight, like especially for Wade, like going, wanting to go into dancing, being able to be seen with Michael Jackson all the time, kind of like propelling him into superstardom, kind of riding on Michael's coattails. They were thinking like this was the best thing for my child was to be with Michael and be as close to Michael as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Michael then like using that to manipulate people in the same way Larry Nassar did of like, well, if you want to, if you want to go and be an Olympic uh, be an Olympian, right? If you want to be on one of the best gymnastics team in the world, maybe that ever have existed, then like you need to go through these like really long summer camps at like someplace in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to stay like at our camps and I'll be the person that's going to like get you through your injuries. I'll be the person that's going to help you through everything that you need, propelling you into the things that you want to do. Um, and so that's kind of like a same thing that would happen, right? You know, mm-hmm. kind of like this this blind trust you have for people that think yeah. you may think have the best interest for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, so the real question I think really comes down to then like how do you know, how do you know like when your children are being abused, right? Mm-hmm. Because another thing that people will say like skeptics will be like, well, 
Wade and um, James like never told their moms or never told their parents until like a really, really long time. Like, you know, Wade denied it for years, almost until he was like 30 years old or so before mm-hmm. he came out and said it. Wade actually was the person that testified against, you know, the accusers um, in the 2004 trial saying Michael never touched me. No, not at all. And he was like 22 years old at that point. And he was being abused since he was seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you have people like that, that are, um, you can have the best, uh, in mind, like you need, we have to start thinking about like what ways can we kind of see past maybe what our children are telling us or, you know, like, it's just, it's hard to, to have like your child lie to you or to you, you to think that you have such a close relationship with your child to think that you've been doing the best for your child. And yet they've been manipulated so deeply by the superstar, you know, insert R. Kelly or whomever mm-hmm. that like they're lying to you and saying, no, they don't touch me. No, everything's fine. No, I have a studio, you know, that I sleep in next to where he records and he comes in sometimes, you know what I mean? Like whatever, like it's just having these ideas that like this is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that those are kind of like some of the bigger points that I took away from it, mm-hmm. uh, from the whole documentary. Um, I was looking into kind of like what skeptics were saying about the documentary or like what people were saying, like, oh, this isn't right or this isn't, you know, something that is true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you compare it to the R. Kelly documentary where they have lots of evidence. Right. There's P tapes. There's like all al- right, testimonies from like. 20 different women a marriage to a 15 year old right you know what i mean like there are so many things that you can say like no 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 like there's there's hard evidence that this happened Mm -hmm. um and one of the biggest things i think that they also take away is that you even have like it showed like both sides of a conversation right when they interview people like his brothers Mm -hmm. um especially the one that was in jail that was like trying to defend R. Kelly, but was also like, I like older women. R. Kelly likes younger women. It's just a thing that we like. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, wait, what? Like, you just incriminated your brother even more. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> um, so you have like all of these different testimonies from different people um, and all the different ways that they were connected to him, right? Yeah. So I think if they had done this documentary differently, what they could have done was like interview... Um, you know, the the chauffeurs that were taking the kids to Michael Jackson mm-hmm. um, or taking Michael Jackson to them for late at night, like overnight visits. They would interview um, the maid who like pressed allegations or talked about like supportive allegations that the children had said in 2004. They'd interview some family members or some people that worked in the studios or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, people that were like, on like Michael's side of things because they literally only interviewed these two men and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, no one else was interviewed. And so it was just kind of like, it gave you this feeling of being one-sided. Yeah. Um, which I don't think, I mean, like I, I think that is true that it was a one-sided documentary, but I don't think that just because it was one-sided means that it's untrue. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So then you have people like uh, Corey Feldman, who I actually don't know who that is, but he talked about like, him knowing MJ, saying that it was one-sided, saying that he never swore in his presence. Um, if you could hear the conversations that he had, there was no hint of perversion. We all were fine. It was a 30-year-old man and a 13-year-old child. Um, it was innocence inside of their relationship. And, like, Michael Jackson has no way to defend himself. Yeah. 
which I then go to like, well, R. Kelly has a way to defend himself and he's like yelling at Gail King, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I'm, I'm no more inclined to believe R. Kelly than what I was if he was dead. Yeah. Right. Like if he just didn't talk about this or if he was completely silent, like I wouldn't be like, oh man, if he could defend himself, he really would give me some more information that would deny these allegations. He would just say they're not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and another thing he said that I initially was like, that makes sense. But then I was like, we're trying to make sense of senseless things. So when people say like, how can racists think this way? How can racists think that they're better? How can white people that are racist think that they're better than all the other races? That doesn't make any sense. How can they find these, you know, make up statistics about um, IQ or about ways in which, you know, they're better than black people. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Right. There's so many different arguments against that. Um, And so this guy said that, there were thousands of kids, literally. I mean, you, you could see it. Thousands of kids that hung around him. Um, and most pedophiles don't have self-control, so they wouldn't selectively choose the boys to molest. Um, and so initially you're like, so I hear what you're saying, that a pedophile wouldn't be like, I only like some children. Mm-hmm. But then it's also like, how how can you try to make sense of pedophiles, right? This isn't mm-hmm. something that's like a logical thing. This isn't like a, oh, you know, you like older, you like older women. I like younger women. Like this isn't a choice or like a, a preference of like sexuality. Right. Mm-hmm. This is like, this, this is a disgusting way to approach children in a disgusting way to engage with them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're raping children, you're sexually assaulting children and anything that you may even think, or the child may think is like consensual is not because they don't, We've ju- we deemed as a society that you're not able to make those choices when you're seven, 10, 13, 14, mm-hmm. right? So that's just trying to make something like make sense out of something that just doesn't make that's senseless, right? Yeah. And another thing, I guess, is that like they didn't even for the kids that did bring the allegations forward, like both in 1993 and 2004, like those kids weren't in the documentary. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why weren't they in the documentary? Why weren't other people that brought allegations in the documentary, how is it just that only these two people and their families are a part of this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I don't know. So, I mean, there are just like a lot of things that go, a lot of things that skeptics would say. Um, one of the things that like Michael says all the time that he would like get like tearful and he'd be like, I never hurt children. I would never hurt children. I, I love them so much. I'm just a loving person. I want love for everyone, no matter what race, et cetera. And I think that the the sick and twisted part of it is I don't think that he thought he was hurting them, mm-hmm. right? I think that he thought that he was loving them and this was the way that he was supposed to show his love for children. And again, it's it's sick and it's perverted and it's, it's pedophilia. Um, but I think that in his mind, he thought that this was okay. And he was telling the children that this was okay which is the same reason why you had kids that were going back and being able to say, um, you know, like this is when Wade went to, went to testify in 2004, he said, I was there to protect him. I loved him. I I love, I really loved him. And I loved, like he had so much love for me and it was someone that I was in love with. It wasn't like, he didn't hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't feel like he was hurting me. I felt like he loved me. And so, that whole idea of like, again, manipulating a person's view of love, manipulating the way in which they're supposed to be receiving love is how you get them to believe that this is okay. Mm-hmm. And even get yourself to believe that this is okay. 
So just a lot of stuff like that, a lot of stuff of manipulation. Both of the kids, both Wade and James, did not have good relationships with their fathers. Um, like very like aggressive relationships. Their fathers never really showed them much love or talked to them about much of anything. I think both of their fathers, like were, I think both of them divorced from their their mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, Wade's father had bipolar. Uh, yeah, bipolar disorder, and then committed suicide. Like there's like a lot of things going on, and so this was the person that they saw, like the man especially that they saw that they could receive love from. Mm-hmm. Um, it was crazy. So anyway, so that was just like a lot of it. Um, but yeah, but like I don't know. Hearing that, like, what are your thoughts? I'd say, well, of course, because how the documentary is posed, it doesn't look good for Michael, right? And yeah, just hearing some of the stuff, it just sounds way too creepy. It is. It's like really, really creepy. Um, and I initially was on like in 2004, like what I was being told and what I was thinking was like, oh, you know, he's he's just a kid that never had a childhood. And I think he even said this last week. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a kid that never had a childhood. That's why he's acting this way. That's why he's like kind of weird. It's totally OK. He was doing innocent things. He just wanted to be a child with them, which you would see a lot of. You would see a lot of that like talking to them like they were he was pretending like he was a kid talking to them like they were kids mm-hmm. um saying very like uh joking kid like things like he would call they had a couple of recordings of him a couple of recordings of him calling Wade's house and being like hello governor like kind of like trying to be like this Australian accent or something like that mm-hmm. um talking to him like a child would, like a child would call their friend and like leave silly voicemails. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, he wasn't a child, right? He was a grown yeah. man. So I think that that was something that I could see the parts that were true about him trying to relive this childhood that he never had. Mm-hmm. But then I also see the parts that show in the manipulation and the very distorted form of love that he thought this is how you show love to someone. So do you feel like with everything that you saw in the documentary mm-hmm. that it was true or? I th- I think that it was true. I think that it was, it's like disgusting and horrible and really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it was true because even if Michael Jackson didn't think that he was doing anything wrong, even if the kids at their young age and through adulthood thought that they were being loved by him, even though he was assaulting them, even though he was raping them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, none of that takes away from the things that occurred. Right. Yeah. Um, and also something that mm-hmm. kind of comes to mind is with the one guy saying like how molesters work is they don't like really specifically like target like this person, that person right, when it comes right, to right. it, like they're kind of indiscriminate, but isn't there a way to be kind of, I don't know, kind of psychotic to where it is you see kids that have troubled relationships with their fathers so they're mm-hmm. easier targets right and i don't know if he knew that going into it because i think that like they may have started like wade said that like the him i think it was Wade. yeah when because wade moved from australia to los angeles for michael jackson like him and his whole family moved from australia to los angeles and i think that his dad like stayed in australia hmm. um and so like like way like he was like my family was torn apart because of like this person and because of um the way in which i thought i was being loved by them mm-hmm. and so 
I don't think that like Michael Jackson knew that initially, right? That they like he didn't I don't know if he sought them out as people that were having troubled lives. Well, it doesn't even necessarily need to be that. Like he could have met mm-hmm. like a ton of kids over the right, years. Right. And then after finding out a little bit more about each one, mm-hmm. that's when he would start his thing. Yeah. And again, I think that it was like this weird unconscious like i want to be friends with these kids okay i'm more than friends i love these kids okay this is how you show love to someone Mm. right it was like a very again this is a this is a perverted thinking this is pedophilia it's not like logical Mm -hmm. right so going back to the questions of last week after seeing this documentary would you cancel michael jackson that's a good question. Um, because I know last week you were kind of like, it's not so easy, but now after seeing the documentary and seeing how perspectives look on it, mm-hmm. you seem to feel a bit different. Yeah, no, I, I think that I would. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that, because there's just, there's no amount of good music that is, that's worth, you know, like, that's worth someone's uh, humanity, mm-hmm. right? And so no matter how much I loved his music, no matter how much I, you know, thought he was a great person or whatever, um, it's still not worth like this, the amount of pain and suffering that he caused, you know, these two children and then countless others. I'm sure that just didn't come forward. Mm-hmm. But I always kind of wonder about that. I feel like we're just going to end up back in the cancel culture conversation, but I guess that's fine. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, two times and then I like moving <laughs> on, but, uh, it becomes kind of hard for me to like kind of really see that we cancel someone and then never partake in anything of what they created again. That's a really good point. Cause there was actually a New York times article or maybe a New York times opinion um, article that said before you cancel Michael Jackson, listen to his music one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just this idea of like, you need to engage with this, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult and you have these you know, now you're viewing it through a different lens, listen to it again, because that's what like you, it it makes it harder and it makes it, you understand more. You maybe start listening to the lyrics more of like, Oh wow. Some people listen to like Aaliyah's album. Um, her first one, when she was again, 15 that R Kelly basically wrote Mm -hmm. and she was talking about things that were super sexual Mm -hmm. things that like a 15 year old should not know about. Yeah. Um, and you start listening to it and you're like, wow, this is, this wasn't just, you know, happenstance that R. Kelly wrote a gospel album after he was accused. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I agree with what you're saying. But it even goes like even past the realm of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like I would say a lot of people now, they kind of cancel Thomas Jefferson. Like I know you're one person that cancels Thomas Jefferson, uh, but I, I don't want to say I cancel UVA, but like I kind of cancel UVA. But that's the thing. <laughs> UVA is something that he created. Right. So, if all these people cancel Thomas Jefferson, they're just going to be like, well, I hate my UVA degree or I don't want to go to UVA or anything like that. Now they're still going to want to go. Right. Right. No, that's true. Or the father of modern uh, gynecology, like he created great advancements for uh, like women's health because of that. Mm -hmm. But he was extremely inhumane in that to the point that it was, he was experimenting on slaves with this claim that, uh, black people don't feel as much pain, so I'm going to do these experiments on these black women. Yeah. And it was completely inhumane and to the point that they would take down a statue in New York City because I think that's where he has it. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't throw out everything that he did add to it no matter how inhumane it was because it did create 
an advancement in that field. And if you were to throw that out, you would be creating more problems for women today. Right, right. And I think that like it's literally impossible to throw away, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, the the accomplishments that some people may have had. No matter um, how inhumane they achieved it. Right, right, exactly. Um, and so I think that that's, it's true, right? That you can't just throw these things away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that like we, again, taking into a, account a fuller picture of who these people are is really necessary. Yeah. So like looking into it, like I can understand canceling someone after you know what they did, mm-hmm. but like before that, I don't see that so easy. Like say with Chris Brown, like mm-hmm. going back to him, the music that he created before he hit Rihanna, like that's one thing. And then after Rihanna, if you want to cancel him, that's fine. But are you really going to ignore all the music that you loved from him before and just be like, I'm not going to listen anymore, even though you did love it. Right. Like. It's- I think it's like, I mean, even in that case, it's that's Rihanna's the only person that we know he hit, mm-hmm. right? And so I guess it comes back to, like, how do we know yeah. that there weren't more women? But yeah, like, in my mind, it really comes down to, I believe in canceling people, mm-hmm. but I find what they created to be not so easy to cancel, especially if it is something that you, in fact, love. Because how you can grow this hatred for the person because mm-hmm. of what they did. But if you still listen to it, you're still going to remember all the times that you had listening to that music. Right. I I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. So it's hard to throw away everything that came with it, Mm -hmm. but it's easier to throw away the person. So if like when people say they're going to cancel someone and they're not going to listen to their music anymore. Yeah. I find that a bit more on the difficult side. Mm. And I feel like Michael Jackson might be a good testament to that. So which if all this stuff is true you're not going to have all these people be like, oh, well, I can't listen to any of his music anymore because his music is so iconic. It's shaped how music is today. No, that's, that's very true. Um, and yeah, you're going to have people like that all the time, Mm. you know? Yeah. You're going to have these geniuses that create amazing things. And then Mm -hmm. you find out behind the scenes, it's really ugly. Right. Right. Um, and that's like, I don't know. It's just something. I don't know if that's just what comes with creativity or I don't think that you have to be right. Um, I think people that are creative think too much mm -hmm. and it really skews things that they like, let it get out of control. Mm -hmm. So there is constantly a need to keep that creativity in check. Right. And I think that also as, as you rise through stardom and things like that, you have kind of like a, there's now an expectation that you are going to be the best and the greatest. And that becomes, that comes like with a lot of pressure and you're Um, constantly under a microscope. So anything that you do becomes blown out to the point mm -hmm. that you feel like you can't do anything right. And you could literally yourself go off the rails. Yeah. Like Britney Spears shaving her head. Right. And so you have like these ideas of, um, of just like, I don't know, like, the, the manipulation that goes on in your own mind of and distortion of who you are, distortion mm. of reality. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be famous. I do. Okay. Well, I'm fun. also a creative. Right. And I'm not. So I got more to worry about in all <laughs> those departments, I guess. Um, if you see me going off the rails, Daniel, smack me. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I will be happy to be that person. Um, I feel like even if I don't go off the rails, you'd be like, can I have one time? I, I probably <laughs> might just, just in case like a pre, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like not the hardest you can, but right. just like, 
okay, so next time I know exactly this is the way my hands are going to be shaped. This is more the velocity that I have to change it to, though. Again, like, where are you going? <laughs> you got to understand on this weird. <laughs> Add the three hours of sleep. It don't help. Yeah, I know. Uh, Nomi has some sweet tea. Um, yeah. I guess not this time. Yeah, not today. I was kind of running a little behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. So, I mean, that's just kind of like, that's just, it's just one of those it's very, it's a hard subject, at least for me to talk about. Um, especially to think about like sexual assault and everything. And yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with it. Um, I think I'm, I'll like aim to stop like listening to Michael Jackson's music or like promoting him as like, you know, one of the greatest artists or promoting him in a way that like, will will I guess, uh, promoting him in a way that will either negatively affect people like without like recognizing the, the inhuman things that he's done. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Cause I think that they're, cause for me again, that comes down to like, well then their humanity was not worth the music that I get to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next time you hear, Annie, are you okay? You're going to be like, no, 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 no. Not even in King Kunta, Kendrick. No, 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 no. Um, oh, that wasn't King Kunta. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still mulling through it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot. It's going to take some time. Or if you were to ever go back to Kanye's graduation and hear the uh, PYC sample in Good Life. Wow, you know all the samples. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty up on it. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything more intelligent to say. That's what happened. Watch a documentary. Yeah. It was hard, but you should do it. I find documentaries like that are just really hard to watch, where it's like jarring informational type things. Like, there's that. I haven't seen the R. Kelly one either, but I know that one's heavy. Yeah, it is. Like, the Trayvon Martin one, Mm -hmm. the Khalifa Browder one, 13. Yeah. Like, they're all really hard to watch because it kind of gives you a sense of like hopelessness mm-hmm. that like, oh, there's nothing that I can do. Because all you see is all the bad that's happened in all these situations. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and people that were blind to it or people that were, oh, no, this is OK. But then you start realizing, like, wait a second. And also just as people in general, we always focus on bad way more. Oh, yeah. It's much easier too. yeah, because like, oh, that's a good thing. But look, this is terrible. And here's why it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like you just go in like full mode into let me talk about how this is and where it's like, yeah, that's good. But this. Mm-hmm. That's how they do it. Yep. All right. Let's go into second gear. Yes. So sticking with people are terrible. <laughs> As most of our show is. Yeah. I think this is going to be just all about like music situations this episode. Mm. So. There's this community called the Christian rap community. My mom got me into it in 2004, I believe. Okay. And I've kind of fallen out of it, but I still check it, check up in on different artists in it. When you say the community, what do you, is it, is this like young money? You mean, is that like a, no, 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 no. This is, or is this, no, it's more of like you have rappers that rap about their faith and then you have the fans and that's the Christian rap community is the fans themselves. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's this rapper who's signed to Reach Records, who's probably the biggest Christian rap label. They have Lecrae, 
Tripoli. Like they've they've had and have the biggest names that have been in Christian rap, probably. Yeah. And so there's this newer artist that they have, and he goes by What Up RG. Mm-hmm. And he he's Mexican. And his father came here to the United States illegally, had a family, and then when he was a child, his father was taken away by ICE. And so, on his latest project, which came out about two weeks ago, it was an EP, on a song called 4AM, he mm-hmm. goes into uh, his testimony about his father being taken away from him, his mother, and his brother. And so... The lines that he has in the song are the whole house shook when the cops knocked, the whole house shook when the cops knocked, 4 a.m. They, and they want pops, 4 a.m. and they want pops. Daddy turned around and said farewell, mama crying on the stairwell. Little brother, go look out the window, huh? Why daddy got the cuffs on him? He ain't did nothing. He ain't never did nothing. All he ever did was work for his children. Pay the rent a little income. Why they gotta take him? Why they gotta break us? To which the Christian rap community outraged against him for even saying that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I was waiting for like the aha, this is terrible moment. Well, he also had a few other lyrics in the song that says, I had trouble believing the pastor say God's got a plan in all this. As he smiled in a MAGA hat, I had to question his common sense. I mean, can't you see that we're struggling? And you're going to hit me with Bible scripts? Forget religion and politics, man. I just want to have my dad back. Hmm. And so he got such crazy backlash from different people, basically talking about, well, your father came here illegally. What do you expect? Hmm. Bible says obey the laws of the land and all this different stuff. Hating people cite Bible verses for hate. Especially like incorrectly, like completely ignoring context Mm -hmm. of it. Right. Because that's the problem with the Christian rap community is you have these artists that came up in these situations and communities where they're more likely to have more liberal views and a more liberal upbringing. And then their fans are these white kids from the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be a bit more conservative. Mm-hmm. So then when you have things happen, like, say, Lecrae two, three years ago on July 4th, he tweeted out. This was my family on July 4th, uh, right. 1776, and it was mm-hmm. a picture of slaves, slaves picking cotton. Right. People attacked him for it. Uh, and I don't even, these, like, what you're saying is, like, quote, liberal views. These are just, these are just facts. Like, his, his dad was taken away by ICE for what up, RG, and black people were slaves on July 4th, 1776. Mm-hmm. So, like, these aren't, like, you know, like, yeah. these aren't, like, disputable, like, oh, solar energy, the green new deal, you know, they, they aren't mm. like peddling like liberal philosophies. These are like, no, these things happened. Yeah. But yeah, you had some comments that were like, sure, let's let all the illegals come here and buy and become a third world country. The Bible says to obey the law of the land. I don't understand why y'all push liberal views all the time and allude to the president being racist. I miss the old reach that was focused on God and, um, illegal immigrants should not be over here. Period. Completely ignoring the fact that he just went out there and shared on his album something that was a scarring experience for himself as a child right. of his father being ripped away. Super vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So 
The one problem that I always have seeing stuff like this is a matter of it really brings brings into question is are people housing their faith on morality or are they like doing it on legalism? Because morality, I would say, is you don't want to tear this family apart. Mm -hmm. Legality is, oh, he's not supposed to be here. Right. Which, again, like legality is like these are laws that are arbitrarily made up Mm -hmm. by people. Right. Yeah. Um, sure, sometimes morality and legality go together, let's say killing someone, Mm -hmm. but there are other times like we made a choice that this line is now a border and these people are this way and those people are that way. Yeah. You always see like examples of it being done for the benefit of a group rather than for morality's sake. Like when it comes to the treatment of people that are on drugs, like people that have become crack addicts Mm -hmm. is a matter of. For some reason, it's become a criminal thing. Let's call it racism. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it is. It's really just the benefit of keeping a racist like society, keeping white people in power. Mm -hmm. But it's you have it's made into this whole criminal ordeal when it really should be a mental ordeal because you're dealing with an addiction. Right, exactly. It's it's a health crisis. It's yes. not a criminal crisis. Yeah. Let's say the opioid crisis. Oh my God, this is now a health issue. Mm-hmm. Why? Because white kids get strung out on opioids. Yeah. Rather than the criminal issue that it would have mm-hmm. been if it was black people that were victims. Oh yeah, it would have been. Look at these drug addicts. They just can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. Put them all in jail. So it really does come down to a matter of, are you going to be going at this from this matter of oh, we should be helping these people. Mm-hmm. Or are you going to come at it as like, no, the law says. I was like, mm-hmm. who cares what the law says? Yeah. As long as you're not compromising who you are as a person and violating someone else, mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So there was positive that did come from this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I say positive, I mean like really good to the point that you had one person tweet that said, with all the tweets coming at uh, what up, uh, RG, and as a conservative, all I want to say is Raul, which is the rapper's real name, broke through the white privilege I didn't know I had. Hmm. It didn't change my political stance or opinions, but it changed my heart. Hmm. Interesting. Because of my privilege, I'm born white in a predominantly white town. I'm from uh, in a bubble. Uh, White culture is all I've ever known. It is hard for me to believe liberal accounts about race and politics, so it's foreign to me and that I literally go, nah, that can't be for real happening. But 4 a.m. hit me hard. I believe what I believed what up RG. All I heard was a kid wanting his dad back, take away the politics, and that's what it is. Like if I was where he is, I would be wanting my dad back just like him. I couldn't help but ignore that pain. I believe it. It's real. So thanks. What up, RG? As a conservative white kid, felt the pain and related to you. And that's only because Christ's working through all that. Like I said, doesn't change my political stance, but my heart is now softer and quicker to listen. Well, good. I'm happy to hear that. Yes. Because um, that's exactly the type of reaction that you want to hear in this type of situation. Exactly. You don't want to hear a matter of, well, he broke the law because then you're just being insensitive. Because, yeah, people keep going to the part in the Bible that says, obey the law of the land. Mm -hmm. And they completely ignore the love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Which, again, like these are 
it goes back to the difference between morality and um, illegality. Illegality, right? Like slavery was legal. Mm. You're gonna say obey the law of the land. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're caging, raping, like forcing people to do labor for the benefit of yourself. Treating them as property and not as human beings, which they are human beings. And so like, but you're going to come back and say, oh, but the Bible says a law of the land, Mm -hmm. you know? And basically the Bible was used to defend slavery for the whole entire run of it. Yeah. Like, I'm always going to remember that scene from A Birth of a Nation, the Nat Turner story, Mm -hmm. where it was a a white pastor threw a verse at Nat and Nat Mm -hmm. threw one right back and the pastor like stuttered like, uh, uh, let me find this verse. And he threw out mm-hmm. some like one that really had no power to it in the matter. Mm-hmm. And that just threw like another two, three back at him mm-hmm. to the point that he got whipped. Right. right. Because he was being smart with his owner. And so that's like what, again, we, so how can you use something as like the basis of morality, right? This is something that we're supposed to use as like a moral compass, mm-hmm. kind of like a guiding way. Um, and what we what we believe to be like, even though made by man, like infallible in some ways, right? Yeah. We believe that these are the words of God, and yet you then take that to then apply it to fallible men, right? Mm-hmm. Like people that we all make mistakes, we all have beliefs that are wrong, you know what I mean, or that are inhumane um, at different points of like a time period. Mm-hmm. There was like one person I saw a comment that goes. The site that reported on this is Rapzilla, and I've noticed that like when you see a typical art- article by them, you'll see maybe like five comments. Mm-hmm. This article, last I saw, had like 300-something. Wow. And I remember seeing one comment where it was like, well, just deleted all your music, to which, whatever, you already bought it. Right. That's like the one thing where it's like, okay, you're just being stupid now. And pathetic on that basis. But he talked about the whole Romans 13, obey the law of the land. Mm-hmm. And one thing I was like, I bet if Jesus didn't stop you, you would have stoned the prostitute. Oh, yeah. Because that was the law of the land. Yeah, because that was the law of the land to the point that Jesus was like, you without sin, throw the first stone. Mm-hmm. And so no one could do it. No one did it because he basically challenged their legality. He was like, mm-hmm. morality's sake, who's better? No <laughs> one? Okay, I'll just keep playing in the dirt here until you all walk away. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Like, they couldn't do anything because they were going off the legality and someone just completely shut it down. Yeah. So let's shut down this legality. <laughs> you didn't do your wrap up of Michael Jackson. I didn't have a really a wrap up. Yeah. It was, it was just kind of like a shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this sucks. Um, but so this, this, but this one is let's wrap up this legality. Yeah, it's like... Focus on morals, not laws. Yeah. Let's have a heart Mm. rather than going by law. Uh, The law does not dictate my heart. I wish you had like something like have like a heart, not a... Have a heart, not a law. Have a heart, not a... I really don't have a word for that. Constitutional amendment. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that makes sense though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we got one more mm-hmm. dealing with music once again. Okay. Dealing with rap once again. Uh-huh. I love rap. <laughs> but this isn't but this isn't the greatest of situations. Mm-hmm. So backstory 
In 2014, there was this rapper from Pittsburgh. He was 19 year old, years old at the time. His ma- name is Jamal Knox. And his rap name is Mayhem Mall. So he recorded a song. He was actually featured on the song. And the song was called F the Police. Mm-hmm. Like NWA. Right. And basically what the song was, was a dialogue of people mad at the police because of the treatment of them and their community by the police. Mm -hmm. And so it was a skit. Mm -hmm. That's essentially all it was, was a skit. And so he said these lyrics that were in it and he got arrested for it. Because basically what the lyrics said was, let's kill these cops because they don't do us no good. So they literally took it as a matter of he wants to go out and kill cops. So we got to stop him before he does his crime. Mm-hmm. But we have a positive. Okay. Well, it's worked its way all the way up to the Supreme Court. And so Killer Mike and a professor from the University of Richmond. Uh, Wait, Eric, are you serious? Yeah. Eric Yellen? It's not Nelson or Nielsen or something? Oh, no. I just, I know an, a professor named Eric Yellen at University of Richmond. His name is Eric. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they spearheaded this whole brief, uh, legal brief, for to appeal for him. And it's been backed by people like Chance the Rapper, Meek Mill, Yogati, 21 Savage, basically saying that rap is an expression. Uh, the main quote of it... it like there's the full brief, but here's a little excerpt from it is this is a work of poetry. It is not intended to be taking literally something that a reasonable listener with even casual knowledge of rap would understand. It is told from the perspective of two invented characters in the style of rap music, which is infamous for its exaggerated, sometimes violent rhetoric and which uses language language in a variety of complex ways. It is not taken. It is not intended to be taken literally something that a reasonable listener would even with even a casual knowledge of rap would understand. So it's kind of like people talk in a certain way Mm -hmm. and then you never hear it. And then you hear it once. They're just like, what did they just say? Like, (laughs) that's basically what they're saying. It's just like, Mm -hmm. this is a work of art. It's a skit of two characters that are just talking and it's not to be taken literally. Right. Which I like, they know that, right? But like the thing that I think it's one of those things of like, what law can we find that like we don't like what this is what's being said here, mm-hmm. right? We don't like that they want to that they're saying kill the police because we don't feel like we're doing anything wrong. We feel like we're protecting the community. And how can we make an example out of someone? Exactly. So what can what law can we use to then you know arrest this person under a legal basis? Mm-hmm. Which again, going back to legality and not morality. Yeah. So. I am definitely on the side of, like, even if I don't like what he, the guy is saying in the song, mm-hmm. I haven't heard the song, so I can't really say too much. But, yeah, art for art's sake. Like, right. And, like, and again, this is also art in an art form, and yet there are people, I mean, there were people walking in front of the white house with obama hanging from a noose saying hang in there right like Mm -hmm. there are people that have done white people especially that have done like really racist things that are like you're known for killing people let's say the kkk right 
and the police aren't going out and arresting people that say they're a part of the KKK. Mm-hmm. They're not going out and arresting people that are saying things that are going to harm black people or things that are going to harm people of color or queer people or whomever, but attack the police and then that's it, right? Then you're done. Mm-hmm. Embarrass the police, Jesse Smollett, then you're done. Yeah. Right? Why don't you bring him up for a fifth I know. episode? Oh, man, dang it. He's supposed to be canceled <laughs> for us. I'm sorry. But I feel like it makes sense that Killer Mike was one of the spearheads of this. Yo, Killer Mike has been like, for I, I've been a inten- better word, killing it. I've been tr- like meaning to watch Trigger Warning, his show on Netflix, but I just it's, haven't gotten around to it. It's really good. I bet. Like, he Killer does Mike a is a lot great. of cool stuff. Yeah, like... Uh, Apparently, there was this thing that happened here in Charlottesville where a teacher tried to do the blue-brown eye experiment oh, with okay. students, and mm-hmm. it went horribly awry. Oh, really? But, uh, like, I first heard about that experiment from Killer Mike. <laughs> that's crazy. I know. I heard about it in psychology, but I was like, that's just because of what I studied. But Yeah, I heard about it from uh, Killer Mike because mm-hmm. he was talking about it with uh, Stephen Colbert because they were having, oh, yeah. like, a whole dialogue about, uh, like... Stephen was like, how is me as a white guy? How can I understand what like mm-hmm. you talk about in your music, the right. struggle you go through, what you talk about when you go around? And uh, that was something that Killer Mike brought up is just like, look up the blue brown eye experiment by Jane Elliott. Mm. But I listened to Run the Jewels, which is the group that Killer Mike is a part of. And seeing this reminded me heavily of like some lyrics that he said in one of his songs on their Mm -hmm. second album. So it's a song called close your eyes and count to F, which of course F isn't what it actually is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he had this whole line. It said about to turn this mother effer up like Rikers Island, bruh, where are my thuggers and my crippers and my bloods and my brothers. When you N words going to unite and kill the police mother effers or take over a jail and give them COs hell. The burning of the sulfur, GD, I love the smell. Now get the pillow torsion, where the F's the warden, and when you find him, we don't kill him, we just waterboard him. To which that sounds very wow. bad and very violent. Yeah. To the point that I feel like Killer Mike would be sought after rather than this right. 19-year-old kid. Right, But possibly since he's such on such a big scale, they wouldn't go after him. Interesting. But you would think that would make him more of an example. Right. But here's the thing about what he just said mm-hmm. is his next lines. Uh, we killing them for freedom because they tortured us for boredom. Whoa. That's Whoa. how he finishes it off. It's like, and when we find them, we don't kill them. We just waterboard them. Mm-hmm. We killing them for freedom because they tortured us for boredom. And even if some good ones die, F it, the Lord will sort them. Which I feel like is also the rhetoric that kind of comes out like when an unarmed black person gets killed. It's like, well, they're with the Lord now. It's just like, their life's taken. <laughs> right. What are you talking about? Right. So. Wow. Like, it's a very big reflection on the matter of how treatment is done. He's just like, mm-hmm. well, let's flip it on its head right here. And that's basically how that kind of skit goes in the song, I guess. It's mm-hmm. just like, look how bad they treat us. Let's flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. So. Man. Rap's pretty cool. I love rap. <laughs> rap is great. I was told when I was uh, like 14 that rap was a phase and I would phase uh, out yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And I started loving rap when I was 11. Mm-hmm. I'm now 27, and it has not changed. <laughs> it's matured, but it hasn't changed. Right, right, right. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's cool. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. So you know what? This is a... Yeah. 
I like it's not good that the guy has a case, but it's great that there's this strong backing from other mm-hmm. people, especially when you see someone like Meek Mill and Twenty One Savage after what they've been through. Right, like Meek having the whole being in prison. Like his whole reason for being in prison was completely stupid. Mm-hmm. And then 21 Savage and, like, the whole being detained by ICE. Right. Like, he's been extremely proactive to the point that he's actually... I've heard that he's started uh, starting up a program in order to teach uh, black kids that don't know otherwise financial literacy. Mm-hmm. So, like, you see these people giving back to the community, and it's great. And you can see it in their actions of mm-hmm. trying to help defend this rapper. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> you got to love the community. Yeah. No, it's, it's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think, is there a summary of this? Um, it's art. Mm-hmm. Love it. Respect it. And don't take it so seriously. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's something, again, that goes back to racism and the ways in which this can be seen as something that's disrespectful and something that's hateful and something that um, they're trying to kill cops for, even though it's art, but like something... You know what I mean? But like someone doing some like white person doing the same thing mm-hmm. to someone else. It's like, oh no, like don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And Daniel, since I haven't watched, I have to ask you, should the people watch trigger warning? Oh yeah, absolutely. He has a lot of really interesting ideas that are just like very out of the box. He flips everything on its head, mm-hmm. right? He talks about how hell's angels, which is like a, a white gang has like legitimized themselves. And now they're being sold in places like Carly Davidson. And they're like making a brand out of who they are. And so he takes that idea of like white people monopolizing and getting um, monetizing, actually monetizing criminality, monetizing, killing people and gangs and being a part of a gang and then like creating a brand out of that. So he takes that and does it with a uh, Crip Cola, which like he created a cola, like a Coca-Cola, whatever type of thing with the Crips. Um, mm. and using- Does it come in a blue can? I think it does. Um, I love it. And using using kind of like their star power and their status and their notoriety in the same way that Hell's Angels did because they're able to say, like you're able, again, like the, you talk to Hell's Angels and they'll say, oh yeah, 99% of us are good people. We just have the 1% that go out and kill people. Mm-hmm. But like that's not everyone, you know? Yeah. Um, and the same could be true for the, for the Crips. I have no idea. But like, why can't black people use the use capitalism and use monetization of a brand in the same way that white people can. Mm. So he does like crazy stuff like that. Isn't Cola just Pepsi? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, no, it's not, but, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty much the same drink. There's a slight variation okay. of difference mm-hmm. and it's in a blue can. I know that's what you're getting at. <laughs> also, have you heard this thing about Coca-Cola milk? I, I don't want to hear about it apparently it's a thing and it's been trending on Twitter for like the past three days. Whereas people are just like, apparently I'm weird. Cause I like to mix Coca-Cola and milk. And it's just like, you say people, the word you mean is white people. I don't want to. Admit <laughs> <it>. Yes. <laughs> I really don't want to admit it. They're just white people. Why can't we be better that I hear? And I'm like, nah, <laughs> I still remember there was this thing about like putting peanuts in Coca-Cola too. Sure. Pretty sure that's a white people thing, too. (laughs) You know what? White people need to get away from Coca Cola. (laughs) Leave it to the Crips. From a lot of things. And also, the whole think outside the box type thing that you said, 
I remember seeing a video probably about a year ago mm-hmm. where someone put on like a Redskins shirt, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the Redskins. Instead, mm-hmm. it was a white guy's face and it said the Caucasians. Oh, it was um, the the Indians, the Cleveland Indians. That's what? the one that I saw. Well, this like guy, a, like, I think it was a Redskins shirt, though. Okay. There might have been a couple then. But yeah, the guy put on the shirt and it said Caucasians across mm-hmm. it with a white guy's face rather than Redskins with the Redskins logo. Right, right. And he got approached by people saying that they were very offended by his shirt. He's oh. like, why would you be offended by my shirt? <laughs> Just like, because you're mocking white people. Is like, really? Am I? Is that what it is? Tell me more. Yes, like, please explain all the mm-hmm. problems that you have with your color and culture. Mm-hmm being on this shirt <laughs> tell me more mm-hmm. um but yeah that's, i, I that's love helpful. when people flip stuff like that on his head and then see how outraged people get by it. and it's like do you see why other people are mad mm-hmm. exactly um i mean i think that it points out hypocrisy which i hope to do i hope i don't know like sometimes pointing out hypocrisy is helpful other times i'm thinking mostly like when i'm on facebook pointing out trump's hypocrisy mm-hmm. and whatever like when President Obama said like one nice thing or even thought about meeting with Kim Jong-un like Republicans at Fox News was like how dare you you're just uh, going on an apology tour across the world and you're meeting with dictators and it's the worst thing ever and you're going to turn us to a communist country and then Trump does it twice and they're like man just what the greatest president no one else could do this and so trying to point out hypocrisy like that it mm. just like never really works but I think that I'm going to still keep trying yeah <laughs> I think the big thing I understand is everybody is a hypocrite. That's true. Because here's the one thing I think it is. I oh, feel. Should I say no? I'm not. There you go. Yeah, not me. <laughs> I feel like people fall into this assumption that a hypocrite is something that is someone that goes against what it should be, mm-hmm. but it's or goes against someone's belief or something like that, okay. rather than your own. Right. Like for a long time, I like didn't really understand what a hypocrite was until I like looked it up and was like, oh, a hypocrite is when you believe something and then you completely go against it. Right. Like I, for some reason, I didn't make the connection that it was my personal belief. Uh, okay. Like if I believe you should always wear hats forward mm-hmm. and I turn my hat backward for some reason, I'm a hypocrite because right. of my, I just came up with that because I'm you looking at my hat on the table there, but. Because there's uh, obviously other things that you could pick up. Mm-hmm. Like, you have your Christian faith where you're supposed to love everybody, but instead you're going to be like, well, your father was in the country illegally. That type of thing. That's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for mm-hmm. the Fairpoint Podcast. Um, don't you say my name again? No. I mean, do people did people forget who you were from when they started? Right. I, they, I guess it probably would be a little bit too late at this point. They'd yeah. Like, oh, I mean, was I mean, if this was like a radio show, it would make sense because uh, people would tune in like after I, having heard the intro. But since it's a podcast, probably know. Unless someone like walked in on someone else listening to it, mm-hmm. then then they would know who right. we are. But uh, well, if you're just not joining us, please rewind about I don't know hour and a half. <laughs> I don't know if we got into that point yet. Um, we're approaching, but we're not there okay. yet. Well, just rewind a little bit, and yeah, then you'll find out who I am. Yes. It's a mystery now. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Who are you, Daniel? Um, yeah, so anyways, like and subscribe to us on all things social, need, social media, as well as uh, hosting sites. And... We should list those off. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll, list, I'll list them off so you don't have to, Daniel. Okay. 
That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Thank you. Instagram is the Fairpoint Podcast. Twitter is the Fairpoint Pod. Email is the Fairpoint Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to subscribe to us on all the all of our pla- okay. on all of our platforms that you can hear us. We are on Castos, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube. Yes. I think that's it. Listen every single week. We are here. Gracias for all of your listening and awesomeness. Yes. Bye.